This is Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show, and Ella's Leash Production. Heard as a podcast around the world, but heard first on radio stations 100.7 WHUD-FM and 920-1260 and 1420-AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Shine On, bringing you healers and dreamers and people who want to make life richer. It's your time to shine on. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On. Christy Whitman is here and she's carrying a really expensive purse. How does that make you feel? The really expensive purse part. What comes up for you when you're wishing you had something or you're thinking of spending money on something or you're looking at something that's really expensive and you're like, I could never have that. Today, we're going to talk about our relationship to stuff and our desire for stuff. I live very simply, and having beautiful things around me makes me very happy. My cousin Lindsay posted the meme the other day, and I think I even repeated it here. No one can be unhappy in a thrift shop. And now that I have a thrift shop, the Let It Shine Again boutique that supports the food pantry, I couldn't agree more. To be surrounded by all these pretty and quirky things and knowing You can afford any piece you want in the whole place. We rarely have anything over $5. It's a great feeling. Well, Christy Whitman says our desire for things, things more expensive than thrift shop items, and our attainment of these things make us bigger. Hmm. Our desires make us bigger. But what I want to look at today is the possibility that there are some areas of your life that you could afford to upgrade, but maybe... You just need to look at it a different way. So listen, I just bought a $700 vacuum cleaner. Yes, you know the one, cordless purple. Am I in love? Yes, I am. And I think, other than maybe my nephew's hockey skates once and a bass fiddle, this is the most money I've ever spent. It's surely the most money I have ever spent on myself. And I didn't tell my husband until after I bought it. And I did buy it in installments because I didn't want him to freak all the way out. So, the thing is, it's not going to hurt us in my household to buy a $700 vacuum. We just think it will. Do you know what I mean? So the little canister vacuum Aunt Vi gave me for my wedding shower 13 years ago, that poor thing has sucked up a thousand pounds of dog hair. It looks so sad. It's banged up all the baseboards as I've dragged it around from room to room attached to a huge extension cord because I'm so tired of unplugging it and then plugging it in somewhere else. And vacuuming the stairs? I just rarely did it. I just had the dirtiest stairs in the world because it was just so uncomfortable. Like the canister didn't fit on the steps. (sighs) Dogs, a cat, hay from the chicken coop. Our little house gets dirty. This new vacuum... She's getting a workout every day. So after wasting hours on the internet trying to find something as wonderful as a Dyson, I just bought the dang Dyson. I'm so happy. My house is so clean. My life is so much easier. And I spent years thinking I could never afford this. But right now, at this point in my life, it just made sense. I need a great vacuum cleaner to help me with the pet hair. I got a lot going on in my life. I've got to make my life as easy as possible. But what if it didn't make sense? What if I just wanted it because I thought it would feel good to have it? And isn't that just life? 
a series of wanting things because we think it's going to make us feel better to have it, whether it's a thing or a relationship or a job, and then either we get that thing or we don't get that thing, (laughs) and we want something else. So the question here is, are you denying yourself for reasons that are no longer true? Are you denying yourself of something for reasons that just don't fit anymore? My husband drives the world's worst looking truck. It's horrible. It makes noise. He could arrange his life to have a better vehicle. He does not make this a priority. His truck is a constant pain in his front seat, but he's living with that pain. I have a friend who has had money troubles for the last 10 years, always squeaking by, always in stress. You know what else she's had for the last 10 years? Tenants in the apartment in the house, and she's never raised their rent. She has the power to live the life she wants, needs, deserves. She just doesn't think she has the power. Maybe she'd rather be poor than have a difficult conversation. I don't like difficult conversations. I would just slip a note under their door. As of October 1, your rent is going up. (laughs) So think about today where in your life you could desire better. You know, get rid of the old toothbrush. Get rid of the underwears that are frayed. Socks with holes. Let's start there. And then let's think about the nice luggage or the new washing machine or the trip to Italy. Jeez Louise. This is our life. We should make it as nice for ourselves as we can, right? Just like you eat good food and you take deep breaths of clean air, you can desire good things and even get them. So Christy Whitman is here with her book, The Desire Factor, offers tools for happiness, abundance, and success. Christy says, desire is the fuel for every act of creation. Christy is a best-selling author, transformational coach, Maybe you've seen her on the Today Show, the Morning Show. She's been in People magazine. And she is CEO and founder of the Quantum Success Coaching Academy. ChristyWhitman.com here to talk about the desire factor. So Christy, tell us about this big purse purchase and how it led to your new book. It was really me on a cruise ship and I had just come back from shopping in Venice and I bought this beautiful Dolce & Gabbana book or bag and what happened was my voice told me that's so materialistic and what really was it was a, just a an understanding that wait a minute this this bag I just bought that I just had fun buying that I could and, and that I didn't have a problem buying um, it, it represented success it represented you know my journey into my having my own business and a desire that I had to come back to Venice and to purchase this so why is my mind telling me that this is wrong or materialistic in any way and it was because of my upbringing my programming and so this this book just started downloading that desires actually expand us they they create for us they make us be someone that we're actually not at the time when we create the desire but we who we become when we attain it so it, it, it became this, this very, um, you know, personal through my personal stories, but also very much spiritual um, exploration of what desires are and how we, we tell ourselves that they're wrong or bad for whatever reason, but we become more of who we are. So how can they be bad? So our desires make us bigger. Our desires make our world bigger. The desires birth everything. I mean, the, the, the divine 
before there was everything here, had a desire to have a world where humans existed. And if that wasn't a desire from the divine, it wouldn't be. Most of us wouldn't have the things that we have if we didn't have a desire. Denying our desires, that really creates resistance and fear and worry, and it makes life not fun. It makes us struggle. Tell me about the upbringing and about how you became programmed to think buying a fun, expensive bag in Italy is a bad thing. My sister. So, you know, I was always into, I remember as a little girl dressing up for Easter, putting on the little hat and the gloves and the purse and the dress and getting all dressed up. And my sister would say to me, oh, my God, you're so shallow. And so because I liked, you know, fashion and because I liked, you know, dressing up and and bags and, and things like this, I remember her saying that to me as I grew up. God, you're so materialistic. You're so shallow. Like that, that bag doesn't matter. And that really came into the back of my, my mind. And what it was, you know, I'm always using my experience of life and my own pains and, and imprints and upbringing and stuff like that to help other people that have the similar similar upbringing. So whether someone told them, you know, you're so materialistic or you shouldn't want that or that's not right or that you're too old or you're too young or that's too dangerous or you're going to get hurt, you know, we all have those obstacles of other people that have told us don't be like this and then we don't give ourselves permission to explore or, you know, to desire what we really desire, what our heart wants us to desire, to desire what our heart is leading us and guiding us to go after and, and to accomplish and to, uh, you know, experience. The Desire Factor is the new book from Christy Whitman, but I do have to mention the 80s when a lot of people were buying the designer bags and the designer belts and the designer jeans and they were going into tremendous debt. So can we just touch on when the desire for material things can be a little um, detrimental? Absolutely. When you, here's the thing. Okay, so this story started out, I was on a trip to Italy 15 years ago with my mom and my dad and my husband, and we landed, and he was my boyfriend at the time, we landed in Venice, and I had just started my coaching business. There was no way that going into any of these stores would be um, ideal for me to buy a a handbag at this time because I just started my business. I was, you know, I would, it would have been, um, it would have been painful had I bought like say a $3,000 bag when I didn't have that money, I would have gone in debt. And so for me in that moment, it wasn't about instant gratification. I'm here. I got to have something. It was me in that moment said, you know what, right here, right now, I'm not the person that can go into a store and buy that, but I desire to be, not because I want all the bags in the world, but because I want to have that level of freedom. I want to have that level of success. I want to feel the choicefulness of me being able to feel like, yeah, I can. And so I declared right there when I was in Venice, Italy, for the first time that someday I'm going to come back and I'm going to go in any store I want. I'm going to buy whatever I want, not because it means I'm a better person or something, but it means because I can and because it's a representation of the success that I'm creating in my life and in my business. So had I done that at the time, it would have caused more resistance. It would have it would have caused and created more problems. And that's the thing that we have to understand is that just because you can't have it right this minute doesn't mean you can't ever. And that that resistance of 
this isn't good for me to get right now or wanting that instant gratification, those desires are coming from somewhere that's based in lack. So I need this bag so that I feel important or I need to do this so that I'm approved of or that I fit in. All of these things are coming from an insecure place within us. It's not coming from an aligned place. And that's the first step that I talk about in the desire factor is that you really want to align yourself with all aspects of your desire. And if you are going to purchase something that is totally going to put you in debt or, you know, like if you're going to buy a house or a car that's going to put you in a situation where it's going to be worse than you were before, but you're doing it so that you feel you're, you know, enough in some way, then it's going to create more dissonance. It's going to create more of a problem. So in those moments when you realize that I can't afford something right now, or I, you know, don't have what I want, or I'm not living the life that I want, those are the moments of using contrast to say, this is what I want. And that's what I did when I was in Venice. And so years later, I went back and said, I'm now in Venice. I've now created a successful business and a family. And here I am, and I'm going to go shopping and having that experience, right, because it felt good, not because I'm putting myself in in harm's way. So anything that, if you're going to put yourself in debt, if you're going to do things that are out of alignment with your integrity, with your morals, with your values, these are things that we have to look at and say, what's causing me to desire this thing because it's coming from lack, not abundance. Right. The principle of alignment, A number one in the book, The Desire Factor, Christy Whitman. So many things you said, uh, strike a chord. I love when you say, because I can. Because I can. I hold back from using that as an answer because I get embarrassed by it. It's a very powerful thing. People ask me why I do things and I say, because I can. Rockets of joy blast off when I use that phrase and I'm happy to hear you use it. A word I've never heard before, choiceful-ness. <laughs> Did you make that up? No, I think it's a real word. I mean, I've just heard it. It's a choice. You know, we're full of choicefulness. We're, we get to make choices. We have free will. And, you know, when we feel that we can't do something, when we feel like we're limited, it, there, it, it's, it's a lie. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a perception we're having because we're looking at the conditions of our lives and saying, oh, well, I can't. Right? right, but if you understand that you create your own reality and that you have the ability, you're so much powerful than the conditions and the circumstances and the events and the experiences of our life. We're bigger than that, and we we are full of pure potentiality, and that we can take those, uh, you know, those things that we like in life and make choices. We are full of choicefulness. We are free. We're free will individuals. The other phrase that really stuck with me was when you said, "I'm not the person right now who can walk in and buy this bag, but." I choose to become that person or something along those lines. That's very powerful, too. I mean, anybody who, say, wants a new car, a new swimming pool, whatever, it's powerful and empowering to admit I'm not the person who can do it right now, but I'm going to work towards that with the principle of alignment, the principle of focus, the principle of joyful expectancy. What is the principle of having that you go on to say in your book. Yeah, so this is all based on, you know, energy and vibration. It's like becoming, you know, you're not who you are, right? You're not who you want to be right now, but we're always in the process of becoming. It's everything is always energy, and none of us are ever, you know, staying stagnant or not changing. There's always an opportunity to, to be more, to have more, to do more. 
and the principle of having is really based on a universal law, the law of sufficiency and abundance, that when we have even energetically, in a feeling sense, in the mental aspect, we have the equivalent of what we want inside of us as a feeling. So I feel I am that successful person that can go and buy that bag. I feel I am that person that is running a multi-million dollar business. I feel I am that person that has a beautiful family and, you know, gets to enjoy my family. You get to feel your way into who you want to be and feel the feeling of having it because now you are a vibrational match to it. So Christy, you have spent a lot of time getting clean and clear about desires and finding success and finding prosperity. Uh, Although she's not here anymore, how do you think your sister would feel about this new world you've discovered? Well, my sister committed suicide 25 years ago, and so that was part of my big journey and awareness as well, and it was around that time that I really changed a lot and shifted things in my life because I didn't want to end up like her. And knowing that we were raised by the same parents and we were very close, um, that was a big fear for me, that I wanted to heal myself because my sister couldn't heal her. And that really led me on this journey of learning about universal laws and, and being able to change my thoughts and change my reality. And I can honestly say that I'm a joyful person now and I'm not who I used to be from 25 years ago and not, you know, the person that she was and, and, and her trajectory of what what she decided in her life. So uh, I think you're setting a lot of people free today, and I think we're sending a lot of people to the bookstore to pick up The Desire Factor. Anything else our listeners need to know today? They can go anywhere, thedesirefactor.com, and just know that whatever desire you have, if you're denying it, it's going to create resistance within you. Allow yourself to desire. Give yourself the permission to learn how to create your desires because it's part of the human experience to have to be in the third dimensional world in a human body and to desire and to create because we are a creator. Christy Whitman, she just said denying our desires creates resistance within us. And she says our desire makes us creators, right? We desire something, a situation, and we devote ourselves to that desire and we create what wasn't there before. So let's do that as homework this week. Let's make a list of our desires. Big, small. Let's see what comes up on the list. So I went to psychologytoday.com. It's one of my favorite places. And I came across an article by a PhD named Galen Gungrich, a minister at All Souls Unitarian Church in Manhattan. He also wrote the book, God Revised, How Religion Must Evolve in a Scientific Age. So in his article in USA Today about desires, he talks about the four stages of desires. The article says the 15th century Indian mystic Kabir, K-A-B-I-R, a poet and philosopher who today is revered by both Hindus and Muslims, argued that desire constitutes the true wealth of humanity. The vast majority of people, Kabir says, are born with countless desires, too many desires to pursue any one of them with dedication. Most concern the superficial aspects of life, personal appearance, possessions, People who have many desires, he says, are the poorest of people. They seldom achieve any success in any field. Their lives are also the saddest, he says, because they are the most superficial, dominated by too many desires that matter too little. Hmm. 
The other people, according to Kabir, are born with some desires, and these are usually people who lead what are considered successful lives. No matter what field or endeavor they choose, they accomplished at least some of their modest goals because they are able to focus only on some desires. A few fortunate individuals, however, have only a few desires. And out of these come the geniuses, Madame Curie, Albert Einstein, the great poets and musicians, humanitarians, political leaders. These individuals with very few desires make their mark in whatever fields they commit themselves to. And finally, a few rare individuals have only one desire. They are the great mystics, spiritual leaders who often practice meditation, which according to Kabir is a demanding discipline designed to reduce one's number of desires. Over time, Kabir says meditation can reduce your desires from countless to many, then from many to some, and from some to few, and from few to one. As the number of desires becomes fewer, the desires themselves become less superficial and more profound. So according to Kabir, people who have many desires have volatile emotional lives. Their emotions come and go quickly. They get upset easily, but then that passes because these are just superficial desires. People with a few desires have passion and they commit themselves to a field. Kabir believes the final step in emotional progression occurs when all of a person's passions and ambition and pursuit of pleasure, the need for prestige, the preoccupation with profit, become melded into one flaming passion that sears the heart. And Kabir calls this singular passion devotion. Wowza. So as we make our list of our desires, let's spend some time with it and perhaps see what it is our heart wants to be devoted to, right? Okay, the four stages of desire from everything to one thing, why we should stop wanting everything and focus on what matters most. I read a little bit of that article. It's in Psychology Today. So listen, Kabir, you sound like you got a lot going on, but I'm not sure people are born with desires. Do you think? I don't know. Maybe they are. But a little baby, she just wants to eat and grow and play. Is the desire in them? When they got here? Or or is that a show for another day? <laughs> that might be a show for another day. Were we born with our desires? Or did we pick them up from where we landed on this planet? And it also sounded, too, just like the process of maturing. You know, like when you're a little person, you're like, you know, my clothes, my hair, my whatever. And as you get older, you're like, oh, my education, my nutrition. My, I don't know. I don't know, it just sounded like a natural progression to me. But maybe people get stuck. Maybe they get stuck in their desire phase. Much to think about, but we're out of time. I desire to see you soon, so why don't you come to the market on the river? I think we're having a talk on Reiki this Sunday at 11.11. Maybe a little Reiki experience. I think that's what's going on. Or stop by the Lisa Boutique and bring shoes, because we're still collecting them through August. For more, you can always check Casey.co or LetItShineOnline.com. But now it's time for our thought for the day, and it is from Ralph Waldo Emerson, who said, Desire is possibility seeking expression. Shine on. 
You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show for your entertainment only. Heard Sunday mornings on 100.7 WHUD and 920, 1260 and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Subscribe to Shine On on iTunes and SoundCloud and catch a show anytime at Casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Shine On.